Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2024.2. As usual, I'm joined with Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. This episode's been sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant Instant remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings or SSL settings or any YAML. Hey, Rohan. All right. Yeah. I think it's the first time we're going to play this. It's going to play this song. It's only February. So let's just yeah. do the tune. All right, let's do it. Cloud strikes again. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, right. I love it. Um, okay, so as of 2024.2, Home Assistant have removed yep. the Life 360 uh, integration from Home Assistant. They're actually going out and actively blocking all third-party access to their APIs, to their data. So, yeah. um, Life three hundred and sixty. To be fair, they, they, this is this is an old one, right? They they started doing this a while ago, whatever, and mm. almost just called that they're going to be deprecating it and so on and so forth. But now it's actually fully removed from gone. Home Assistant, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah. So like, if you don't know what Life360 is, it's uh, an app that you can install on your phone, basically for just GPS tracking. Um, it's compatible with Android, iOS, the idea being that you get your whole family to use Life360 so you can track where your kids are, where your mum and dad are, you know, aunts and uncles, have them all on Life360 and everyone can see where they are on a map, um, which is similar to what Home Assistant can do with its device trackers and its map. Um, and of course, bringing that data into Home Assistant, you could then use Life360 as a device tracker to save your home or away or if you're in a certain yeah. zone. Um, so yeah, the replacement for Life360 is obviously the Home Assistant companion app with a Nabucasa subscription or your own, all your own uh, remote access using the Home Assistant app. Um, yeah. Pretty sad um, to see something like that go, but yeah, at least there is a direct replacement if you can convince all your family to install the Home Assistant app on your phone. Yeah, so, and again, it's Life360 kind of did the same thing that Chamberlain did uh, with MyQ mm. not that long ago where they basically started uh, blocking API uh, calls and stuff from, from stuff that they don't want. Uh, so third-party access there. Um, but the other one is uh, Hayer, right? Or Hire. I'm not sure how they properly pronounce it, but the uh, European brand that sells products under you know, General Electric, Hotpoint, Hoover, Fisher Paykel, and Candy. Um, they, again, here's here's an example of what not to do, right? Um, and, and this is, we're definitely not the first to report on this. If you follow any other home assistant channels, uh, like creator channels, um, most people have covered it. Um, a it lot of folks up, have covered it at least. Thing. Yeah, like and and you know, Twitter blew up about it. Uh, there was articles on The Verge. There was articles on like a bunch of random like news outlets like that, uh, where they actually served um, a cease and desist to um, Andre0512, which is uh, he created the GitHub repo for the for the integration for hires. Uh, on platform or whatever it's called, but or H on uh, integration there, so that's a custom component uh, for for Home Assistant to to work with those uh, to work with their products. So they basically were like, "Hey, you know, this is um, what was it? This is uh, it, it, it's affecting our business, and you're uh, you know you you're it's very detrimental to us, so on and so forth." Um, and so. Uh, 
Andre posted the uh, posted that cease and desist and said, "Hey, you know, sorry, unfortunately, I can no longer maintain this, and this is why." Kind of thing. Um, like I said, media media picked that up, right? So it's uh, tons of tons of folks uh, commented on it and whatever. And pretty much immediately, it's like I think before this, that there was like I don't know, like a not that many forks of the of the code or anything like that. And then pretty much the second this happened, it's like it blew up. There was like <laughs> two thousand forks of of that GitHub repo and so on and so forth. A um, lot of uh, responses on social media platforms, um, just again, just saying, you know, this is really stupid, right? Uh, which it is. Um, and it's like, you know, and, and and it's funny because even within their corporation, uh, within the same company, their US arm was like, hey, we don't know what, what you guys are talking about. We are allowing everything. This is just a Europe thing. We don't talk to them. They don't talk to us. Uh, yes. Like, it's, it's, so so some other, I don't know, I guess managing director or CEO or whoever of, of their US arm was like, ooh, we don't want a part of this. We, we, yeah. <laughs> Not executed yeah, we well at all. That. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's... Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a great example of what not to do, right? Or how not to uh, deal with this. And I think they've since uh, backed off and said, "Hey, yo, you know, like it's okay. Like we, you know, you, you can keep developing it. We'll we'll work with the strategy." And I think the the uh, the, the developer uh, Andre O five twelve has been in contact with them, and like the CEO reached out, right? And it's like, oh, does he? Do CEOs kind of always reach out to your yeah to your um, to your cease and desist? folks right and they're like oh you know it was a, a sorry it was a standard uh thing and you know we didn't actually mean that and it's like i don't know when you send a legal mm. law document like that you usually mean it right nobody's paying nobody's expensive sending, people to do that for yeah, you yeah right? nobody's sending a notice to somebody being like hey we're going to essentially not just shut you down but but go after you personally yeah for this no nobody's gonna like uh, again i don't want to call it a threat but it is a fact it's it's a legal type of a threat right um and uh yeah so it's i don't know it, it's really it's really bad um so there's a lot of folks that are starting to boycott the brand and saying hey you know this is just we don't want to start using we don't want to buy any more your products um and so on and so forth right so it's uh and and a lot of people have been like hey we only bought your product because of the integration with with that right so the argument there is you're saying that it's it's hurting your business, but you know that that actually doesn't make sense because of how many people are going in and buying it, right? So understanding that you know, especially when you run APIs and stuff like that that are cloud based, there's there's fees you have to pay and so on and so forth, right? I don't I don't know how they host it or where they host it or anything like that, but when you talk about like, hey, you know, we for example, hey, we run it on AWS, okay, cool, you have to pay AWS for those fees, right? For to obviously use that service to operate your uh, API um, gateways and so on and so forth. But again, it's that that's a costing exercise, right? So you should be you should be costing your products accordingly to you know to handle those API calls and so on and so forth, right? Um, and let's face it, of everybody that buys these kind of products, it's only a subset that are a smaller subset, arguably, too, that are that are doing home automation and stuff like that, right? And, and listen, uh, home automation is definitely more of a luxury kind of a hobby, right? Like again, it's not cheap, right? You can you can totally do things on the cheap and stuff like that. But when you're buying products specifically to say, hey, I want to buy this because of its integration, and you're not sitting there with your soldering iron and and a PCB that you designed to say, 
okay, this is how I'm going to build this on the cheap. That it, it is more of a luxury kind of thing, right? So with people buying these kind of products, it's like, okay, you, you have a specific market, right? And I know they are very popular in terms of the AC brands they have and stuff like that, but I don't know. It, it, it just, it's a very, it's very distasteful, right? To the open source community and so on and so forth. So it's, it's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths um, for, for this. Yeah, so absolutely. it's, I don't know, it's just frustrating. Uh, again, and, and we've, we've, I think, expressed our opinion several times about how we feel about organizations doing stuff like this, right? Whether it's uh, Chamberlain, and, and I use MyQ personally, right? And, and you know, it, it is frustrating. I've fully removed it from my home, uh, home assistant uh, uh, instance, and I'm looking at a couple of the alternatives, right? Ratchetio and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, it's that one. They've had, we've had Obviously, now higher. We've had uh, Logitech with the Harmony remotes. Poor. We've had a bunch of these, right? And it's it's, it's mm-hmm. some were handled a little better than others. For the most part, they were. I don't know. I, I'd say I'd say this is one of the worst ones, just because it's not only is it affecting the users of it, but it's affecting uh, open source folks as a whole right and 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 listen i i get it there's a whole copyright and ip debate behind this and i don't think i'm even remotely qualified to have that conversation um or or know enough to have that conversation but there's there's something to be said about like just being distasteful about it right so it's i don't know that that that's kind of at least my stance on it i think if there's a silver lining that came out of this is that once, you know, everything sort of did go pear-shaped for Haya, they and they started backtracking, um, they reached out and said, hey, look, you're right. we, we want to work with you. What can we do to make this right, essentially? Um, yeah. They got some tech people uh, on a call with Andre Paulus from the founder of Home Assistant and Nebukasa, um, jumped on that call and basically talked, you know, tech and said, guys, this is obviously a technical issue. What's causing, you know, why is it causing such financial impacts? Um, I believe their response was someone, something along the lines of, you know, we have to pay per API request. We only, you know, budgeted for, you know, people using the app, you know, very infrequently mm-hmm. to check, you know, the status of their air conditioner or the status of their dishwasher or refrigerator. Um, of course, now Home Assistant is checking the status of all those devices multiple times a minute. You know, I think uh, the default was once every 10 seconds or something like that. So every 10 seconds, it's slamming the API, every request they're being paid, have to charge for. So um, a new version has been put out for this um, for this uh, package at the moment um, that reduces the amount of the, the polling frequency to the higher servers. Um, so that should dramatically, you know, see their costs uh, decrease. And then yeah. moving forward, you know, it's going to be a wait and see, you know, what Haya does, you know, to either keep this open for the home business community and, you know, other open source communities to use their APIs yeah. or are they going to just, you know, abandon it and say it's too expensive uh, for us as a company to maintain and, yeah. Right, which is which is entirely possible there too, right? I, I, and, and, and again, as much as I complained about it, they did come out to a, at least so far, to a... To a mm good outcome to a positive outcome coming from this it's just it, it's where it left a lot of bad taste is it's it's an it, again i don't want to call it an attack because that is very dramatic right? it's it's 
but 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 to some extent it is it is it's affecting the entire open source community and and what what the open source community does and and that that whole uh, community around hacking and like again yeah. not like unethical kind of hacking but like hey let me see what i can what i can do with this right and and to some extent you're stifling innovation right like it's it's mm-hmm. you know people come up with things like that and they're like oh you know what if i do this and this and this right and like do those kind of cool things so it's i don't know it, it's not not ideal and again from a pr perspective just 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 bad right <laughs> like it's just they, they didn't think that part through properly in my opinion um what I thought was interesting is that it came from the European arm, which the European, yeah. like the EU, right? They're usually pretty on yeah. top of, you know, companies, you know, doing the right thing by consumers. Totally. Um, and I think, you know, this would be sort of in their eyes, like a company saying, like removing mm-hmm. features from a product that you're paying for, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I I was really surprised. I, like, this is something I would have expected to see from a US firm, not from a European them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, their American arms like, nope, not us. We're, we're we good. You and I, we're cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the world was upside but, but, down. But, but it's funny. It's almost like throwing throwing their European counterparts under the bus, right? It's like, yep. Yep. I don't know. It's I just find it funny when there's no solidarity in those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know, it is what it is. But oh man, all right. Let's talk about twenty twenty four. Dot two, a um, couple of new features. Um, CarPlay, right? Just that CarPlay. one's uh, that's just a little just, one. Just, just, yeah, it's just no. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny because even on um, Facebook and stuff like that. Again, I, I think we saw, uh, I saw the notification um, a little earlier in, in in one of the creators' channels saying, "Hey, you know, this is coming, whatever." And I was like, oh, this is cool, whatever. And but I was like, I was excited, but I didn't know how excited people would be. And then all of a sudden you see on Facebook and stuff like that, where people plugged it in into their car in the morning when they're on their drive. Yeah. Again, first thing you do, you wake up. You're not looking at like the home assistant blog necessarily or whatever. You're, you know, brushing your teeth, getting your coffee, whatever, and, and leaving to go to go to work or whatever. And so it's a few people that did that plugged in and they're like, wait, what? I can do home assistant <laughs> on my car play? And and uh you know, it was really cool to see where, like, on like, uh, uh, like Facebook and like all of these different places where people are like, "Hold up, this is cool, right?" And they're like, "Oh my god, right?" And uh, and and especially if you don't follow the development of uh, of the the product very closely, it's like, "Oh my god, that's a really cool surprise, right?" Um, yeah, the CarPlay is here, so uh, which was which was really cool. So that was nice. Have you tried it out yet? So very very briefly. Um, so my my car doesn't have it. My wife's car does. Um, so on, I I took her car yesterday to just drive my parents to the airport, or whatever. And uh, so I went. I plugged it in. I plugged in my phone, and I was like, okay, let's let's have a look. And lo and behold, I saw it. It's like, okay, tap to create actions on your on your do it from your mobile device. And again, I was already running late to the airport, so I was like, all right, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna sit here and do this right now and have my parents miss their flight, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's I haven't I haven't played with it played with it, but uh I saw the icon there, I pressed it and it said, Okay, you can do some stuff in the app and I was like, All right, I'll come back to this and, nice. and that's where I've left it, right? Yeah. Um but again, this is cool where especially if you see um again, we talked about Chamberlain, MyQ and stuff like that uh a few minutes ago in, in the Cloud Strikes Again segment. But uh if you have 
um, like a rat GDO or, or whatever other alternative, or maybe you've built your own your garage door opener. Um, you don't need to pay the, again, I know Chamberlain's having their, uh, they're starting to charge for integrations into like specific vehicles, right? Like Tesla, they, I think they charge you like $10 mm. a month to be able to open wow. your garage door. And it's like, what? That's so stupid, right? Like, um, I don't know. I, I'm very against that. And I hope everybody that's listening right now is as well. Um, I, I get the that's convenience like- of it, but at that point, spend the 40 bucks for, for like the, I don't know, Ratchetio or, or similar kind of products. Yeah. I know there's a couple of commercial offerings out there now too. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but do that and then work with the CarPlay integration. So it's just like, a, hey, I need to open the garage door, just boop, off you go, right? Um, it's just like even a just a kind of all their customers. Like, you know, just, oh, you know, now you want to do that in your car? Okay, it's 10 bucks a month. Oh, you want to put, yeah. put that on your Echo Show? Okay, here you go. That's another 10 bucks a month. Yeah, um, and it's like I don't, so, I don't get it. It's even like even with Teslas, right? Like, okay, you buy the car. Oh, yeah. do you want heated seats? Okay, pay pay five thousand dollars, and we'll give you a software update that enables the hardware that you've already paid for in the car. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, who was who was it? BMW did that, not Tesla. Yeah, it's like, and it's really? like, okay, it's I'm pretty st- sure Tesla thing. had something similar where they hacked into uh, for theirs. Is the it's features. internet. Internet is a premium feature. Obviously, full self driving is a premium feature, yep. stuff like that. Which, fine, those aren't necessities, right? Like, it's like I'm sorry, but when you're in like, like again, like in winter and stuff like that, and your car comes with heated seats, you've clearly paid for it already. Like the yeah. capital has been charged. But it's like BMW just being like, oh, let me pick a random feature and be like, uh, I'm going to charge for that. That one, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, you want your passenger side vents to work? Okay, that's another three dollars a month, right? Like, it's it's to your point, Phil. It's just nickel and diming for the sake of it. Yeah. Uh, so, and and that's where a lot of our, I don't, I've, I've, I'm becoming a lot more like, hey, let's let's pull out some of those recurring, yeah, cost things, right? Like, again, like th- there's a time and a place for those things, and I don't think it is for me at least. It's not in my home. Yeah, and that's the beauty of self-hosting, right? And Home Assistant, like, you know, we've got video doorbells that have subscriptions, we've got all our smart speakers and stuff, like, yeah. Get to reduce all those subscription fees. Yeah, Um, yeah. There you go. Anyway, uh, back onto 2024.2. Home Assistant is now shipping with Python 3.12. You probably won't notice anything, maybe some speed improvements around the place. Um, if you're using Home Assistant OS and Home Assistant Container, you don't need to do anything. Home Assistant has handled the upgrade for you. Um, otherwise, if you're rolling your own, um, it, I believe they will still be supporting 3.11 um, for a period of time, but 3.12 is now the official version of Python that Home Assistant is running on. Yeah, and really it affects you if you're running it um like old school with a virtual environment and and those kind of things, that's where you have to really upgrade it. Um, otherwise, you're pretty much good. From yeah. what uh, Frank was saying, 3.12 does bring a ton of performance improvements and stuff like that, and it's a precursor to, obviously, 3.13, of um, which is apparently even more uh, uh, performant, I guess, so, which is kind of cool. Um, drag and drop support for automation. So this has actually been, uh, it's been a big ask to... Uh, from a lot of folks, uh, I know even on the on the creators call that we had, uh, there's a couple of people really excited about that. Um, so dragging and dropping triggers, conditions, and actions is now enabled. So you had to 
you know, you have to go and re reorder those in the automation editor settings and so on and so forth. Uh, now you can just click and drag and move it up, down, whatever you need to do. Um, and you can also drag elements within nested elements. So, you know, if it's uh, if it should be a child under an and condition block, just click it, drag it in there and, and off you go. Right. Which is uh, really nice. So. Nice. All right. There is now the ability to export your history data from the history dashboard. So if you're looking at, you know, how much energy you've consumed over the past month, over the past year for all your devices or a specific device, there's now a little export button there. You can hit that and download it as a CSV and do whatever you want with it. You can chuck it into a different programming language, use it in Excel, create some charts, yeah, do what you need, or even just save the file and use it for historical purposes. Nice little... Yeah, exactly. Little, little nice to have. Yeah, it's Paulus's favorite feature this release, by the way. So it's. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, there you go. I've got a better um, one. <laughs> yeah, this 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 one's one of my favorite ones. The one coming up. So uh, you're now able to update entities for ZHA devices. So um, when a Zigbee device is connected to Home Assistant via ZHA, uh, and there's a firmware update available, um, it will uh, it will basically. Uh, prompt you to say, hey, you know, there's a firmware update available. Would you like to update it? Um, and these are primarily for the ones that are that have a home assistant certification behind it. Um, so uh, folks like Inavelli, um, Osram, Sonoffs, Third Reality, those are the devices that are currently supported. Um, I would expect to see a little more on there uh, soon um, or a few more on there soon. But uh, just know that, again, it's super cool, but it is Zigbee, right? So you're taking a large file a large firmware file and uploading it to a using a protocol that supports very small bits of transformation, mm. transformation, uh, very small bits of transferring information. Uh, and uh, so it will be very slow uh, to the effect of potentially a couple hours, even right. Like to, to update the firmware. Um, so don't be panicked if you see it and you're like, Hey, let me update. And then all of a sudden your thing's not working. Don't, turn it off halfway or anything like that like it just just let it go and it'll update right so just plan accordingly uh for those kind of things the home assistant private voice assistant will now respond with better errors so previously um if you had an error in the voice assistant um it just wouldn't give, give you a, a generic response, right? So now mm -hmm. as, 20, as of 2024.2, assist will provide much better errors in case your intention is understood but something else is missing. For example, if you've got an unknown name or if you've asked it to turn off uh, all the lights in the garage, but it, there is no garage entity defined, Assist will now respond and say, sorry, I know, I, want you, I know you want me to turn off the lights in the garage, but I don't know what the garage is. Please create an area with a garage and then assign devices to that area. So, yeah, starting to get a little bit user, more user-friendly. Yeah, what we're doing there. that's pretty cool. Um, custom responses for assist. So um, with the introduction of like the whole sensor trigger um, bit, so 2024.2 now has uh, a new action to send custom responses back to the conversation. So you can say like, you know, if your sentence trigger, for example, is like, hey, what's the best podcast of all time? Then your automation will go in and say, hey, uh, it'll respond back to the person saying, hey, you know what? It's obviously the home system podcast, right? So um before before you need to do any kind of complicated yaml or anything like that uh uh to to or sorry 
before you would need to you know, configure complex YAML and, and do that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, otherwise it'll just be done. Right. So if you want something more than that, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty neat to have that in there. Um, so now that can also accept templates. So you can kind of get fancy and mix up your responses and do that kind of thing. Right. So, which is, uh, which is nice. I could see. Yeah. Like that'd be really cool for like, maybe you've got kids and you've got a, a smart speaker or mm-hmm. will eventually have, you know, like a, a box or you can talk to assist. You can have kids, you know, say, you know, what's on the agenda for today or, you know, tell me a joke. Right. Um, and now you can yeah. have a template that just uses the random function and picks out a random joke or, you know, mashes up, you know, your daily agenda or the weather and all that. And puts yeah. in nicely with a nice template. That's very cool. All right. Um, authentication issues now shown as repairs in Home Assistant. So if you've got a integration that uh, needs to be signed in again, maybe you've got like yeah, a cloud provider um, that's, you know, you've changed your password and now Home Assistant can't access that integration. Home Assistant will now throw up a repair, which means you'll now get an icon against the cog in the area to say, you know, take a look. There's something over here that needs um, attention. And then you can go into the repairs dashboard and take action for that item. Yeah. Before it was in the integrations pane and it'll be highlighted red and that's still going to be there. Um, but just one more place. It was, right, yeah, which is you nice. just didn't, unless you were looking at that dashboard, you wouldn't yeah. know. Yeah. I, at some point I actually had a um, automation to go in and tell me, hey, like, by the way, this is, yeah. uh, um, it's mm. you, you need to be logged back into like your Amazon Echo or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Um, so uh, this one's nice too, is there's also automatic cleanups of uh, unused or old refresh tokens. So, you know, if you're using the app and stuff like that, like the companion app and stuff. So those typically, uh, you know, leverage refresh tokens and, and, or even in the browser, those leverage refresh tokens to keep you logged in. Um, any device that hasn't used Home Assistant in 90 days will be logged out. So again, if you have the companion app and it's regularly sending updates and stuff like that into Home Assistant, you don't need to worry. Um, and these are and these aren't like the long lived tokens. These are just the refresh tokens. So usually, if you go into Home Assistant and you, you go to that area and so you scroll, 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 you just got this long list of Ugh, stuff in there. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to go and clean that out anymore. Um, pretty much af- when it, after it was last used, it'll uh, 90 days on the dot, pretty much um, like pretty much like second for second. It'll it'll get basically just deleted after that. So, uh, yeah, it's I, I like it just because, again, if you have like an old device lying around and stuff like that, like, it, you know, it, maybe you haven't used it and it goes missing and whatever it is, you don't people don't necessarily have access to that after after that 90 day period. So. For me, this is like an about time. This is here because I have, I don't know, like can't be the only one, but I'm constantly logging in either like on my local IP or from the Nebuchadnezzar, um URL. And I just have a whole bunch of tokens in that list. And yeah. to delete them, there was no like multi-select, right? So you had to select, you have to click, you know, like a hundred times to delete a hundred of these long-lived tokens that are never going to yeah. be used again. Um, so yeah, this is my favorite feature for this month. Yeah, just having no, that exactly. list that I hardly ever look at, and I know it's not going to be growing again. Um, yeah, about time. So yeah, and so if if you're curious where that is, uh, I mean, again, this process happens automatically. But if you want to look mm. at cause some of the refresh tokens you have and stuff, even from a security perspective, maybe you're not updated onto this release. 
Uh, it's just in your profile. So if you go and log into Home Assistant, click on your name uh, and scroll down a little bit there, it'll you'll see it uh, near the bottom. So the last one is long live tokens. Right above that is a refresh token. So that's the section we're talking about. Nice. All right, stick around. We'll be back with new integrations after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Maybe you want to add a bunch more automations in your home. Maybe you want to do some other stuff. What are you doing well already this year? Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally got that one room automated. Maybe you got it organized uh, and you want to tackle something else. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make those changes really stick. Therapy is really helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It really empowers you to be the best version of yourself and it isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma or anything like that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash assistant to get your 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash assistant. All right, new integrations for uh, this release. And this one's actually not a new integration, but it's worth highlighting, I think, Pretty important yeah. here. Tuya, I think a lot of people use Tuya integration. Um, Tuya have done some great work um, with uh, Home Assistant or Nabucasa, um, and you no longer require a Tuya developer account to link your Tuya devices with Home Assistant. Now, yeah. that in itself is huge because I don't know if you've ever tried to link a Tuya device, Rohan, but there was not, like no. there's people have created scripts, there's command line tools. So not only do you need a developer account to link up these devices, you've then got to find the uh, internal IDs of those devices. You've got to oh, link up those yeah. devices with your app. Um, then, you know, there's a command line tools to scan your Wi-Fi, get the ID numbers. What does that ID over there mean? Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Then you've got to plug that into YAML somewhere in Home Assistant, maybe somewhere in the UI now. Anyway, you can now use the Two Year Smart or the Smart Life app. Um, there'll be a QR code somewhere in the um, in Home Assistant UI, or somewhere there's a QR code somewhere. Yeah. You scan that, um, and it should just link the device through the Two Year Cloud to your Home Assistant uh, installation. So, fantastic work! And this is, uh, you know, we had uh, Strax, uh, Cloud Strax again previously. This is like the opposite. This is great to see. Yeah. A, company like Tuya, who also have many brands that they resell under around the world. You know, a lot oh, yeah. of yeah, companies, like, oh, you know, leverage the yeah. yeah. leveraged um, the Tuya um, brand. Um, so this is cool to see uh, Tuya coming out and working with Home Assistant and getting so many devices just easier, easier to integrate yeah. with. Yeah, which is fantastic, right? So yeah, like Phil said, just go in the integration. I think it's I think it's when you add the integration, you will get like a pop up and say, "Hey, like let's go into this." So you still need the app, right? So it's yeah, but which is still way better than having to need all this other process, like you said, Phil. Which is and again, I I don't have any Tuya products, but uh, it 
sounds pretty painful. I, I didn't realize it was actually that bad because, again, I, I didn't have any, so I've never actually bothered looking mm. into it. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Like, and then, yeah, <laughs> I just, I've, I've got scars from like trying to download a command line tool to get these IDs and then you put the IDs in and then you're like, okay, now only yeah. half of the switches are working. What does this switch do? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 AirTouch 5. Uh, you can now control your AirTouch 5 ducted air conditioning systems. That's kind of nice. Mm. Uh, if you're in the market for a new sound system, Bang & Olsen is now available. Um, so you can control the Bio, Bio, Lab, Bio Lab and the Bio Sound devices in home system. Amazing. Yeah. It's kind of a weird name, Bio. It's like body mm. odor. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do. Uh, I do actually kind of like that integration. Um, Bring. So if you use Bring uh, to create shopping lists and stuff like that, you can create it now and share that with your family. Uh, Elvia. Yeah, you can now import your historic energy usage um, if you are a user of the Elvia grid. Um, Epion. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe it's Epion. I don't know. But Epion. Uh, you can monitor their air quality sensors in Home Assistant now. Now, Govi lights can now be controlled locally. Everyone, do you have any Govi lights? My, I do. Thing? I have a couple. I've got one, uh, some behind me. So if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, so I've got a little yep. uh, Govi light thing, light bar thing there, and I've got one on the side here in my office. So yeah, have you? Do you, so we be switching over using this locally? Then I'm guessing. Assuming you've integrated yeah, the so, yeah, so the so this is this is for Govi lights that have the local API. So some of the some of their ones don't have local API. Interesting. So those uh, those products won't uh, won't be supported by this integration. I believe, from what I understand, I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, so yeah, so but for the ones that do, yeah, this will this will totally work for that. So uh, in my case, uh, these two have it. Um, I do have another one that doesn't have uh, Govi uh, local API, unfortunately. So that's that's kind of cloud driven there. So um, yeah. yeah, but there are a couple of cool um, custom components. One relying on MQTT, and just one just relying on the I believe just their API or some of that. I think it still tries to hit locally, but uh, wherever it can. But yeah, yeah, nice. Home Assistant Analytics Insights. So that integration kind of allows you to monitor information about the public uh, and open Home Assistant Analytics. If you're not familiar with that, if you ever selected, hey, yeah, I'm happy to share my analytics with Home Assistant, gives them an idea of where and how to prioritize products and, or not products, sorry, but uh, feature development and so on and so forth. So, and even with deprecation, they kind of get almost a blast radius of, you know, how many people, if we deprecate this feature, who's mm. going to get affected. And, and that kind of, that kind of drives a lot of that stuff. Right. Um, again, from a privacy perspective, they are very privacy forward. So, um, and they're pretty open about what kind of stuff that they, uh, they collect. So if that interests you check it out and, uh, and you can add it as an integration as well. I wonder, like, I don't know what the use case for this is specifically, but I can imagine like maybe you've, uh, created a component in Home Assistant, and you want to track, you know, how many installations are using it, um, just for your own yeah. Alex. Or maybe you want to reward yourself, you know, uh, maybe you'll get some extra credits or to watch 
uh, TV, you know, if your component gets, you know, <laughs> an extra 500 users this month or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, That's I'm right. sure that we could, or maybe you want to download the information to your home system dashboard and then, you know, export it as a CSV. Um, yeah. I don't know what the use case for having that data in there, but I'm guessing it would be cool to have it on a lovely dashboard. It's still, still kind of cool. You can keep an eye out. Yeah. yeah. Even if nothing, you can also be like, hey, how many people? But but that's the nice thing, right? Like, again, with this, uh, with the analytics, again, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but with uh, with the analytics uh, piece here, if you're one of the things you can look at, too, is how many people are using a specific component, mm. uh, which is, so let's say from a buying decision perspective, it's you want to say, hey, I want to buy this device. Um, I don't know if it's super popular or not, because you might say, okay, if there's four people using it, then maybe I'm not going to get, you know, support on the communities or something like that. If like, like, you know, because, because of such a small subset of users, right. Not to say that that's the case. Uh, the communities are pretty good. So there's typically people, somebody that'll reply or whatever, but in the event that that's the case, you know, that might drive your buying decisions there too. Right. So I, I actually like the analytics. Um, I've never used it for that purpose, but, um, you know, as I'm talking about it, I'm kind of like, why, why have I not done that before? Yeah, I'm thinking the same <laughs> thing. Like, many, damn, that's a really good people. use for it. <laughs> I know. Okay. This, this is the thing, right? You come up with stuff on the fly and you're like, wait, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but All right. A new weather platform is here in Home Assistant. Uh, if you are in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Observatory can now be used to get weather information into Home Assistant. There you go. There you go. That's kind of nice. Um, I believe it's pronounced... Hume. Um, so if you mm-hmm. have a smart sauna uh, based on Hume, it's uh, you can now connect it, which is cool. I actually saw a YouTube video of somebody that made a sauna in their backyard. Uh, oh, nice! And uh, used used one of their things. That's so. That's why I know the brand. There you go. Uh, La Mazzocco espresso machines are now available in Home Assistant. Now, Rahan, I know you've just had some trouble with your. Revel espresso machine. You, you, yeah, this is probably perfect timing for you if you're in the like. Now you can get a smart one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I unfortunately don't have an extra couple of grand sitting around for that one. Well, are um, they that expensive? Are they? I don't drink coffee, so I, I wouldn't just yeah. I, I think they are they are a more premium brand. I haven't actually looked into it. Um, I just know when we were chatting about it, it was, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, if you can, it's one of those like things where it's like, okay, if you can afford one of these, then definitely, definitely have it in Home Assistant. Um, but these are like, I think they're like handmade or something like that. Like it's, it's oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Unfortunately, my Breville, uh, barista express my like and and again it's, it's funny because people are like well that's a like i mean it, that is a premium yep. kind of espresso machine right but it's uh you realize when i one of my colleagues was was making fun of me right because i was like yeah you know he's like oh i haven't seen that one whatever and i was like yeah it's pretty good you know it's like it's one of the automated he's like how much did you pay for it and at the time i had paid like uh, this is when it first came out and it was before it became like very popular and whatever mm-hmm. so it's like i think i paid like 450 bucks or something it was on sale Yep. But it was before I even moved into this house. I was like, hey, you know, I want to buy something nice for the house for myself kind of thing. Uh, and I bought that. And uh, and I was like, well, okay, this is a great deal, whatever. And now, now it's, I think, close to 800 bucks for the same thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They haven't changed. And, oh, yeah, exactly, right? And uh, so it's like, okay, this, uh, you know, whatever. It's nice, whatever. And uh, 
yeah. So he was making fun of me because he's like, okay, dude, you need to get a real espresso machine. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, no, the, the, this one's, this one's way too cheap to actually be a real espresso <laughs> machine. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> so, but, uh, I, I just have the, uh, Lumberzoco ones pulled up right now and, uh, it's saying from $8,000 Canadian from $7,500 Canadian. So it's, uh, unfortunately, I don't think these ones are in the, in the cards for me. Oh, the grinder is $3,000, uh, 3,200 bucks. So it's, it's maybe, maybe someone can buy you that for your birthday and that's your entry point, right? And then you just, you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, maybe put up an alert for Facebook marketplace, you know, you never know your luck. Hey, you know what? That's actually not a bad idea. It's, uh, <laughs> we've, we've recently had a lot of good luck in uh, marketplace. So that's, uh. It's not 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 terrible, but uh, yeah. all right. Um, Leo One. Uh, so if you have a health device made by uh, Leo One under the Xiaogui or uh, Bagel brands, uh, I apologize if I butchered any one of those three names again. Today, today's the name of a day of hard names for me. I don't it know, is, it isn't is. it? Yeah. Usually, at least uh, it's like. You'll get one. I'll get one. Yep, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. time, like, it's not me. It's <laughs> uh, my uplink. You can now monitor my uplink supported devices in Home Assistant. Uh, rabbit Air. Uh, locally control and monitor your Rabbit Air peer purifiers. So if you've got one of those things, that's actually kind of nice. I like air purifiers in here because you can always you know, control them and say, mm. hey, you know what? I need this on right now, whatever. I'm not home, yeah. whatever that Nice. And usually they come with sensors to tell you what the air quality is, right? Which is good also to have in the charts of Home Assistant. Yeah. Yeah. I think my air purifier is starting to go too. It's like there's there's a there's an air quality sensor in there. So it's like, uh, yep. and that's how it kind of spins up and down, whatever. Uh, and I and I got gifted uh, gifted this one. And, uh, but it, it's just, I don't know, it's really good. It's, it's, a, it's a blue air one, but uh, I cleaned it out, whatever, changed the filters, did all that. And then, I don't know, I don't, maybe I hit something. I don't know what I did, but uh, like it spins up nice. Mm-hmm. But then two hours later, it's still going. And I was like, man, what did we, like, what did we cook or whatever, right? And like, it's like, yeah. it wasn't smoky. It wasn't anything. Like, it was like baked something. And it's like, why is this going on full tilt? Um, and then so I'll have to manually like turn it off and put it back on the auto sense mode and it goes back down, right? And it's like, and then next time it'll go up again. And I'm like, what? what's going on here? So, yeah, I don't know. But uh, maybe I should look into rapid air. This is the problem. It's like, this is how I spend my money. It's like, oh, no, that's easy. yeah. <laughs> thing is, this thing is here in this release. Let me let me look at that. Right? <laughs> right, Why you do that? Rainforest Raven is now available. Um, you can use that to track your energy usage in home assistant. So I've got a Rainforest Eagle. Um, I assume the Raven is pretty similar. Um, little device that can then attach to your smart meter um, and get your energy usage. Very cool. Romy, uh, if you have a Romy vacuum cleaner, bring it in there. That's nice. Uh, TD smart locks now available in Home Assistant. So that's T E D double Um, I, again, just another name. Teslametry. <laughs> Teslametry. I don't know. It's it's the Tesla Fleet API uh, product where they can. Uh, it's not by Tesla, but it's a third party. Um, so Teslametry, I think, is how it's pronounced. But uh, you can pull in live telemetry data from the vehicle um, using the Tesla Fleet API. Um, I think I, I think I've looked into this one before. I think there is a cost. Um, yeah, because I thought there was another custom it. component that may have come out. Um, 
recently that maybe did the same thing, or maybe this is the promotion of it from a custom component to the real thing. But it wouldn't surprise me that there's a cost. I don't see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. The service is the service is free during its development or until Tesla introduces paid membership for paid membership tiers for third parties. Okay. okay. Interesting. Okay, so I guess this one's not. Uh, there's no charge to it at least right now. Kind of cool. Okay. Uh, Techno VE or Techno V control your Techno VE smart charging station using a local API. Very, Very nice. Cool. Track car. I feel like we've we, we, Phil and I were talking about this before we started recording. I'm like, I feel like we've talked about track car a few times, and it's like every yeah. single time, it's like, hey, there's an, another integration for it. But um, this it sounds like this is the track car server, so you can integrate your GPS devices by pulling data from a tracker server. So I guess if you host your own service, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't yeah, use it. I know it's open, it does. Maybe I'll ask them. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Right. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Breaking changes time. So we mentioned before about um, authentication and refresh tokens. So the refresh tokens will be automatically deleted when unused. So a refresh token is considered unused if it has not been used for a login for 90 days. So, right. That means that if you've logged into a session that hasn't been used for 90 days, so maybe you've got a tablet that you use occasionally and you don't use the Home Assistant app all the time on it, you will be logged out. So you will then need to log in again and um, go through the whole process again. If you need a permanent token and, you know, edge cases on that should be, you know, yeah, for whatever reason, if you need a permanent token, um, take a look at using long-lived access tokens, um, which is in the same area we are talking about in the profile settings before. Um, they will never expire. Yeah. should really rename it to backward incompatible changes, which is now what uh, breaking changes are called. But You're right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I still love that, Dave. It's, it's, it's so specific, right? Um, Cisco WebEx is another one that's uh, they, where the integration's been uh, disabled. So that's WebEx Teams, uh, specifically the component for it. Uh, mm-hmm. The upstream libraries used by Home Assistant uh, right now are not compatible with Python 3.12. So um, that one might come back, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, assuming they can get the new Python version supported. Um, yeah. I guess that's, yeah, just means you're stuck on 2024.1 until that package gets upgraded. I guess it's yeah. one of the, the problems of having so many third-party dependencies, right, or upstream dependencies. Totally, like Home totally. Assistant. I mean, Home Assistant is, is pretty much the king of that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so. yeah. All right. For vacuum integrations, there's a whole bunch. Uh, RoboRock, um, I think, yeah, there's going to be a, a whole bunch. Um, the services vacuum.turnon and vacuum.turnoff were deprecated in 2023 to 11. Um, support for those deprecated services has now been completely removed. So if you are still using them, please adjust your automations and scripts and use vacuum.start and vacuum.stop instead. Proximity, uh, the proximity entity is deprecated now and will be removed in 2024.8. So you still have a little bit of time there. Um, It is superseded by sensor entities. So um, the proximity entity itself is going away, but the, the functionality is not, right? So it's just being replaced by sensors. Um, so for each tracked person or device, um, one sensor for the distance and, and the direction of travels to and from the monitored zone is created, right? So, um, and then for each proximity configuration, uh, one sensor is, shows the nearest device or person uh, to that monitored zone. And that gets created too. 
Um, so this way you can actually use the min-max integration to determine the closest distance and the furthest distance. So you can say, okay, how far, you know, is my, uh, are my, are my zones and people and so on and so forth. So, um, so whereas the proximity entity itself, you weren't able to do that before. So for this one, so proximity has also been moved into the UI as of this release. So if you've got proximity entities in your YAML, mm. they've been moved over to the UI um, and they've also been deprecated in the one release. Um, I, where I'm running the beta on this, so I'm hoping that there's going to be some fixes. Around this. I'm, I do use the proximity sensor a fair bit yeah. um, for my work automations going to work and also, you know, when we're coming home, turning on the aircon um, as we approach home. I think I'm still a bit confused about this, and I think there might be some things coming in the beta that need to be addressed for this. But I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It sounds like I'm now going to have to create new min max sensors um, to do what the proximity sensors already did. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what entities, if there's going to be new entities that I now have to monitor. So, this isn't my favorite change out of this one. I think this one's going to be a bit of a confusing release for some people. And I know proximity is, yeah, like one of the core features, right? Like, you know, that nest feature of, you know, as we're driving home, turn on the heating mm -hmm. or turn on the cooling, right? Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting to see how this is handled for the, the official official release. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about this breaking change. Yeah. I mean, incidentally, speaking of presence too, um, I don't know if you saw this, Phil, but uh, uh, Lewis from Everything Smart Home um, released a, so he, he makes the uh, Everything Presence 1. Yep. Uh, he actually released uh, a Everything Presence Lite. Uh, so it's a little cheaper there too, uh, cost-wise, and uh, Interesting. it actually looks pretty neat. Um, he's got a video out on it. Check it out. Um, but yeah, it is... it is. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't have any proximity sensors today and I've been looking to be like, oh, you know, should I build my own or do I just, uh, you know, get something uh, off the shelf? And, and I don't, I don't love the, uh, like even from the FP2, which I think you have, or do you have the FP1? I forget. Um, got the FP1. Yep. You've got the one from Aquara and, and like, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it looks really nice, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you, you still have to have the app to get some of that functionality and things like that. Uh, like to say, okay, you know, I've got X people in a room. This is where they are. Mm. They're in zone, zone two, whatever that is, right? Other than that, it's just like uh, people are here or people are not here. Um, but this one looks pretty neat. Um, so I'm going to try and check that one out too. So, yeah. But uh, so if you're in the market, um, have a look at that one too. So, it's, uh, I don't know, he's got the Presence 1, which is his original uh product there and then uh it's got the everything presence light not again not that uh it's I've, I've played with it or anything it just looks very uh it looks pretty cool so i would uh i think i'm gonna try that at some point i don't know where I'm, what i'm gonna use it for but well, i'm in the market for a new millimeter wave sense because you know i've got i've because they're so expensive right so i've um been yeah. slowly you know acquiring you know sensors to now I've got you know a couple of rooms that needs you know upgrades to their sensors. Um, I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Do I get a FP2? But then that's on HomeKit, mm -hmm. or and they're really expensive. Like I think the FP1 was like I got it from China for like seventy dollars or something Australian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these ones are like two hundred Australian in Australia, or a hundred from China. And I'm like, oh, 
it's just a lot of money to have automations for one room. And then it's home key. It's a Wi-Fi device. Yeah. 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 I mean, and what's nice about this too, and it's like, it's got multi-target tracking support for zones, light level sensing, Bluetooth proxy. Yeah. Um, and, and what's cool is you can, if you don't want to use that millimeter wave sensor, you can always swap it out. Um, so it comes with one of them built in. Um, and you can, I think it's included with the LD 2450. Um, but you can always change that one out. So it's got a range of like five to six meters. So small to medium space, according to, according to the site there, but, uh, let's say you do have a larger space, whatever you can upgrade that or, or maybe even go with a smaller one. I'm not sure. Again, I haven't looked that much into millimeter wave sensors, so I don't know a ton about what each sensor brings to it. Um, but you know, uh, I don't know. I, I think for 50 bucks, it's a pretty good price point. Uh, it's 50 Canadian right now. It is, it is sold out. Um, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think kind of pretty neat and it's got a, uh, detachable. It comes with a USB-C cable in white, right? It's so, um, oh, it's not nice. Yeah. Depending yeah. on, again, if you have an outlet right next to it, you don't need to coil, you know, all of your cables, whatever. And yep. then, or on the other hand, if you, if it's far away, you can get a really long USB-C cable and plug it in kind of thing, right? So That's one of the things I hate about the FP1. Like it came with a fixed USB-A cord um, that was never the right length for any place you wanted to put the thing. So, Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, again, uh, I do, I do, again, I do follow Lewis and stuff like that. He's uh, a great creator and, and I think... Uh, you know, I do. I'd love to see stuff like this, right? Which is built by the community and and yeah, think so. Hundred percent. All right, restful commands. So, a call to a restful command service will no longer silently fail, and it will now raise an exception. For examples, when there's a timeout, or if there was like you know trying to do a, a JSON response and it couldn't decode the JSON response. What this means is if you've got a RESTful command as part of your script or automation, uh, if it has one of those errors, the rest of the script or automation will not be executed. Previously, it would be. Um, so now you can actually consider using the continue on error for scripts and automations um, so that if there is an error um, and you know this is allowed to fail occasionally, the script or automation will continue running. So yeah, you'll need to add that flag in there if you're experiencing that. Um, TP-Link smart switches. So to prevent overloading uh, the power strip, the energy data is now pulled every 60 seconds. So if you need to pull it faster, uh, you can use an automation that calls the home assistant uh, .update underscore entity service uh, and just pull it that way. So should be pretty straightforward. But every 60 seconds is still pretty decent. I wonder if there's like a like security risk, like a physical security risk there. Like if you could like slam one of these switches enough times to overheat it enough to cause a fire. I wonder if that's a possibility. Like that seems like a <sighs> bit of a I concern. Hope, I would I hope a smart switch can handle that load of all things, but I guess it depends on, it depends on what you plug into it. Maybe, I don't know, but like, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know overloading how, right. So is yeah. it just going to crash or is it going to exactly, cause a fire? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Those yeah. two I mean, very different. 
one one is acceptable one is not (laughs) (laughs) exactly like i'm reading overloading and electricity as oh that's really bad like that's overheating (laughs) right but maybe you're right maybe it's just causing the processor to crash and it loses its connection um it it might be overwhelming rather than overloading right it's uh Yeah. yeah But. All right, and uh, as we mentioned before, Tuya they provided that easier login method. Um, you don't need to have a uh, developer account or anything. Um, you scan that QR code. However, after you update to twenty twenty four dot two, Home Assistant will ask you to reauthenticate your Tuya Smart or Smart Life account using the new method. So, uh, once you upgrade, there will be a repair or something that you need to follow um, and relink all those uh, devices. I'm hoping you just relink your app and all the devices uh, under your account will then just be relinked to the network per device. So that's it. And that I think is 2024.2. We'll leave links to all the fun stuff we've talked about today. I think there's been some YouTube uh, uh, YouTube videos to watch, some links to products they'll all be in the show notes as well on uh haspodcast.io yeah now we'll actually need to find those links so that's it that's it <laughs> just talk all about right. it. i did this thing a few months ago i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it all right perfect see you in the next one cheers, cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.